a gentle ghost by mary e wilkins from a new england nun and other stories this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. reading by matt perard a gentle ghost by mary e wilkins out in front of the cemetery stood a white horse and a covered wagon the horse was not tied but she stood quite still her four feet widely and ponderously planted her meek white head hanging shadows of leaves danced on her back there were many trees about the cemetery and the foliage was unusually luxuriant for may the four women who had come in the covered wagon remarked it i never saw the trees so forward as they are this year seems to me said one gazing up at some magnificent gold-green branches over her head i was saying so to mary this morning rejoined another they're uncommon forward i think they loitered along the narrow lanes between the lots four homely middle-aged women with decorous and subdued enjoyment in their worn faces they read with peaceful curiosity and interest the inscriptions on the stones they turned aside to look at the tender newly blossomed spring bushes the flowering almonds and the bridal wreaths once in a while they came to a new stone which they immediately surrounded with eager criticism there was a solemn hush when they reached a lot where some relatives of one of the party were buried she put a bunch of flowers on a grave then she stood looking at it with red eyes the others grouped themselves deferentially aloof they did not meet anyone in the cemetery until just before they left when they had reached the rear and oldest portion of the yard and were thinking of retracing their steps they became suddenly aware of a child sitting in a lot at their right the lot held seven old leaning stones dark and mossy their inscriptions dimly traceable the child sat close to one as she looked up at the staring knot of women with a kind of innocent keenness like a baby her face was small and fair and pinched the women stood eyeing her what's your name little girl asked one she had a bright flower in her bonnet and a smart lift to her chin and seemed the natural spokeswoman of the party her name was holmes the child turned her head sideways and murmured something what we can't hear speak up don't be afraid what's your name the woman nodded the bright flower over her and spoke with sharp pleasantness nancy wren said the child with a timid catch of her breath wren the child nodded she kept her little pink curving mouth parted it's nobody i know remarked the questioner reflectively i guess she comes from over there she made a significant motion of her head towards the right where do you live nancy she asked the child also motioned towards the right i thought so said the woman how old are you ten the women exchanged glances are you sure you're telling the truth the child nodded i never saw a girl so small for her age if she is said one woman to another yes said mrs holmes looking at her critically she is dreadful small 
she's considerable smaller than my mary was is there any of your folks buried in this lot said she fairly hovering with affability and determined graciousness the child's upturned face suddenly kindled she began speaking with a soft volubility that was an odd contrast to her previous hesitation that's mother said she pointing to one of the stones and that's father and there's john and margaret and mary and susan and the baby and here's jane the woman stared at her in amazement was it your began mrs holmes but another woman stepped forward stoutly impetuous land it's the blake lot said she this child can't be any relation to him you hadn't ought to talk so nancy it's so said the child shyly persistent she evidently hardly grasped the force of the woman's remark they eyed her with increased bewilderment it can't be said the woman to the others every one of them blakes died years ago i've seen jane volunteered the child with a candid smile in their faces then the stout woman sank down on her knees beside jane stone and peered hard on it she died forty year ago this may said she with a gasp i used to know her when i was a child she was ten years old when she died you ain't ever seen her you hadn't ought to tell such stories i ain't seen her for a long time said the little girl what made you say you'd seen her at all said mrs holmes sharply thinking this was capitulation i did used to see her a long time ago and she used to wear a white dress and a wreath on her head she used to come here and play with me the women looked at each other with pale shocked faces one nervous one shivered she ain't quite right she whispered let's go the women began filing away mrs holmes who came last stood about for a parting word to the child you can't have seen her said she severely and ye are a wicked girl to tell such stories you mustn't do it again remember nancy stood with her hand on jane stone looking at her she did she repeated with mild obstinacy there's something wrong about her i guess whispered mrs holmes rustling on after the others i see she looked kind of queer the minute i set eyes on her said the nervous woman when the four reached the front of the cemetery they sat down to rest for a few minutes it was warm and they had still quite a walk nearly the whole width of the yard to the other front corner where the horse and wagon were they sat down in a row on a bank the stout woman wiped her face mrs holmes straightened her bonnet directly opposite across the street stood two houses so close to each other that their walls almost touched one was a large square building glossily white with green blinds the other was low with a facing of whitewashed stonework reaching to its lower windows which somehow gave it a disgraced and menial air there were moreover no blinds at the side of the low building stretched a wide ploughed field where several halting old figures were moving about planting there was none of the brave hope of the sower about them even across the road 
one could see the feeble stiffness of their attitudes the half-palsied fling of their arms i declare i shouldn't think them old men over there would ever get that field planted said mrs holmes energetically watchful in the front door of the square white house sat a girl with bright hair the yard was full of green light from two tall maple trees and the girl's hair made a brilliant spot of colour in the midst of it that's flora dunn over there on the doorstep ain't it said the stout woman yes i should think you could tell her by her red hair i knew it i should have thought mr dunn would have hated to have had their house so near the poorhouse i declare i should oh he wouldn't mind said mrs holmes he's as easy as old tilly it wouldn't have troubled him any if they'd set it right in his front yard but i guess she minded some i heard she did john said there wa not any need of it the town wouldn't have set it so near if mr dunry had set his foot down he wouldn't have it there i s'pose they wanted to keep that big field on the side clear out they would have moved it along a little if he'd made a fuss i tell you what tis i've bout made up my mind i dun know as it's scripture but i can't help it if folks don't make a fuss they won't get their rights in this world if you just lay still and don't rise up you're going to get stepped on if people like to be they can't i don't i should have thought he'd have hated to have the poorhouse quite so close murmured the stout woman suddenly mrs holmes leaned forward and poked her head among the other three she sat on the end of the row say said she in a mysterious whisper i want to know if you've heard the stories about the dunn house no what chorused the other women eagerly they bent over towards her till the four faces were in a knot well said mrs holmes cautiously with a glance at the bright-headed girl across the way i heard it pretty straight they say the house is haunted the stout woman sniffed and straightened herself haunted repeated she they say that ever since jenny died there's been queer noises round the house that they can't account for you see that front chamber over there the one next to the poorhouse well that's the room they say the women all turned and looked at the chamber windows where some ruffled white curtains were fluttering that's the chamber where jenny used to sleep you know mrs holmes went on and she died there well they said that before jenny died flora had always slept there with her but she felt kind of bad about going back there so she thought she'd take another room well there was the awfulest moanin and takin on up in jenny's room when she did that flora went back there to sleep i shouldn't i thought she could whispered the nervous woman who was quite pale the moanin stopped just as soon as she got in there with the light you see jenny was always terrible timid and afraid to sleep alone and had a lamp burning all night and it seemed to them just as if it really was her i suppose i don't believe one word of it said the stout woman getting up it makes me all out of patience to hear people talk such stuff just because the duns happen to live opposite a graveyard i told it just as i heard it said mrs holmes stiffly oh i ain't blamin you 
it's the folks that start such stories that i ain't got any patience with think of that dear pretty little sixteen-year-old girl haunting a house well i've told it just as i heard it repeated mrs holmes still in a tone of slight umbrage i don't ever take much stock in such things myself the four women strolled along to the covered wagon and climbed in i declare said the stout woman conciliatingly i don't know when i've had such an outing i feel as if it had done me good i've been wantin to come down to the cemetery for a long time but it's most more'n i want to walk i feel real obliged to you miss holmes the others climbed in mrs holmes disclaimed all obligations gracefully established herself on the front seat and shook the reins over the white horse then the party jogged along the road to the village past outlying farmhouses and rich green meadows all freckled gold with dandelions dandelions were in their height the buttercups had not yet come flora dunn the girl on the doorstep glanced up when they started down the street then she turned her eyes on her work she was sewing with nervous haste who are these folks did you see flora called her mother out of the sitting-room i didn't notice replied flora absently just then the girl whom the women had met came lingeringly out of the cemetery and crossed the street there's that poor little rain girl remarked the voice in the sitting-room yes assented flora after a while she got up and entered the house her mother looked anxiously at her when she came into the room i'm all out of patience with you flora said she you're just as white as a sheet you'll make yourself sick you're acting dreadful foolish flora sank into a chair and sat staring straight ahead with a strained pitiful gaze i can't help it i can't do any different said she i shouldn't think you'd scold me mother scold you i ain't scolding you child but there ain't any sense in your doing so you'll make yourself sick and you're all i've got left i can't have anything happen to you flora suddenly mrs dunn burst out in a low wail hiding her face in her hands i don't see you're much better yourself mother said flora heavily i don't know as i am sobbed her mother but i've got you to worry about besides everything else oh dear oh dear dear i don't see any need of your worrying about me flora did not cry but her face seemed to darken visibly with a gathering melancholy like a cloud her hair was beautiful and she had a charming delicacy of complexion but she was not handsome her features were too sharp her expression too intense and nervous her mother looked like her as to the expression the features were widely different it was as if both had passed through one corroding element which had given them the similarity of scars certainly a stranger would at once have noticed the strong resemblance between mrs dunn's large heavy-featured face and her daughter's thin delicately outlined one a resemblance which three months ago had not been perceptible i see if you don't returned the mother i ain't blind i don't see what you are blaming me for i ain't blaming you but it seems to me that you might just as well let me go up there and sleep as you suddenly the girl also broke out into a wild cry i ain't going to leave her 
poor little jenny poor little jenny you needn't try to make me mother i won't flora don't i won't i won't i won't poor little jenny oh dear oh dear what if it is so what if it is her ain't she got me as well as you can't her mother go to her i won't leave her i won't i won't suddenly mrs dunn's calmness seemed to come uppermost raised in the scale by the weighty impetus of the other's distress flora said she with mournful solemnity you mustn't do so it's wrong you mustn't wear yourself out over something that maybe you'll find out wasn't so some time or other mother don't you think it is don't you don't you think it is don't you i don't know what to think flora just then a door shut somewhere in the back part of the house there's father said mrs dunn getting up and the fire ain't made flora rose also and went about helping her mother to get supper both suddenly settled into a rigidity of composure their eyes were red but their lips were steady there was a resolute vein in their characters they managed themselves with wrenches and could be hard even with their grief they got tea ready for mr dunn and his two hired men then cleared it away and sat down in the front room with their needlework mr dunn a kindly dull old man was in there too over his newspaper mrs dunn and flora sewed intently never taking their eyes from their work out in the next room stood a tall clock which ticked loudly just before it struck the hours it made always a curious grating noise when it announced in this way the striking of nine mrs dunn and flora exchanged glances the girl was pale and her eyes looked larger she began folding up her work suddenly a low moaning cry sounded through the house seemingly from the room overhead there it is shrieked flora she caught up a lamp and ran mrs dunn was following when her husband sitting near the door caught hold of her dress with a bewildered air he had been dozing what's the matter said he vaguely don't you hear it didn't you hear it father the old man let go of her dress suddenly i didn't hear nothing said he hark but the cry in fact had ceased flora could be heard moving about in the room overhead and that was all in a moment mrs dunn ran upstairs after her the old man sat staring it's all dumb foolishness he muttered under his breath presently he fell to dozing again and his vacantly smiling face locked forward mr dunn slow-brained patient and unimaginative had had his evening naps interrupted after this manner for the last three months and there was as yet no cessation of his bewilderment he dealt with the simple broad lights of life the shadows were beyond his speculation for his consciousness his daughter jenny had died and gone to heaven he was not capable of listening for her ghostly moans in her little chamber overhead much less of hearing them with any credulity when his wife came downstairs finally she looked at him sleeping there with a bitter feeling she felt as if set about by an icy wind of loneliness her daughter 
who was after her own kind was all the one to whom she could look for sympathy and understanding in this subtle perplexity which had come upon her and she would rather have dispensed with that sympathy and heard alone those piteous uncanny cries for she was wild with anxiety about flora the girl had never been very strong she looked at her distressfully when she came down the next morning did you sleep any last night said she some answered flora soon after breakfast they noticed the little wren girl stealing across the road to the cemetery again she goes over there all the time remarked mrs dunn i believe she runs away see her look behind her yes said flora apathetically it was nearly noon when they heard a voice from the next house calling nancy 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 wren the voice was loud and imperious but slow and evenly modulated it indicated well its owner a woman who could regulate her own angry voice could regulate other people mrs dunn and flora heard it understandingly that poor little thing will catch it when she gets home said mrs dunn nancy 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 wren called the voice again i pity the child if mrs gregg has to go after her maybe she's fell asleep over there flora why don't you run over there and get her the voice rang out again flora got her hat and stole across the street a little below the house so the calling woman should not see her when she got into the cemetery she called in her turn letting out her thin sweet voice cautiously finally she came directly upon the child she was in the blake lot her little slender body in its dingy cotton dress curled up on the ground close to one of the graves no one but nature tended those old graves now and she seemed to be lapsing them gently back to her own lines at her own will of the garden shrubs which had been planted around them not one was left but an old low-spraying white rose-bush which had just gotten its new leaves the blight lot was at the very rear of the yard where it verged upon a light wood which was silently stealing its way over its own proper boundaries at the back of the lot stood a thicket of little thin trees with silvery twinkling leaves the ground was quite blue with bustonias the child raised her little fair head and stared at flora as if just awakened from sleep she held her little pink mouth open her innocent blue eyes had a surprised look as if she were suddenly gazing upon a new scene where's she gone asked she in her sweet feeble pipe where's who gone jane i don't know what you mean come nancy you must go home now didn't you see her didn't you see her i didn't see anybody answered flora impatiently come she was right here what do you mean jane was standing right here and she had her white dress on and a wreath flora shivered and looked around her fearfully the fancy of the child was overlapping her own nature there wasn't a soul here you've been dreaming child come no i wasn't i've seen them blue flowers and the leaves waken all the time jane stood right there the child pointed with her tiny finger to a spot at her side 
she hadn't come for a long time before she added she stayed down there she pointed at the grave nearest her you mustn't talk so said flora with tremulous severity you must get right up and come home mrs gregg has been calling you and calling you she won't like it nancy turned quite pale around her little mouth and sprang to her feet is miss gregg coming she will come if you don't hurry the child said not another word she flew along ahead through the narrow paths and was in the almshouse door before flora crossed the street she's terrible afraid of mrs gregg she told her mother when she got home nancy had disturbed her own brooding a little and she spoke more like herself poor little thing i pity her said mrs dunn mrs dunn did not like mrs gregg flora rarely told a story until she had ruminated a while over it herself it was afternoon and the two were in the front room at their sewing before she told her mother about jane of course she must have been dreaming flora said she must have been rejoined her mother but the two looked at each other and their eyes said more than their tongues here was a new marvel new evidence of a kind which they had heretofore scented at these two rigidly walking new england souls yet walking after all upon narrow paths through dark meadows of mysticism if they never lost their footing the steaming damp of the meadows might come in their faces this fancy delusion superstition whichever one might name it of theirs had lasted now three months ever since young jenny dunn had died there was apparently no reason why it should not last much longer if delusion it were the temperaments of these two women naturally nervous and imaginative overwrought now by long care and sorrow would perpetuate it if it were not delusion pray what exorcism what spell of book and bell could lay the ghost of a little timid child who was afraid alone in the dark the days went on and flora still hurried up to her chamber at the stroke of nine if she were a moment late sometimes if she were not that pitiful low wail sounded through the house the strange story spread gradually through the village mrs dunn and flora were silent about it but gossip is herself of a ghostly nature and minds not keys nor bars there was quite an excitement over it people affected with morbid curiosity and sympathy came to the house one afternoon the minister came and offered a prayer mrs dunn and flora received them all with a certain reticence they did not concur in their wishes to remain and hear the mysterious noises for themselves people called them dreadful close they got more satisfaction out of mr dunn who was perfectly ready to impart all the information in his power and his own theories in the matter i never heard a thing but once said he and then it sounded more like a cat to me than anything i guess mother and flora are kind of nervous the spring was waxing late when flora went upstairs one night with the oil low in her lamp she had neglected filling it that day she did not notice it until she was undressed then she thought to herself that she must blow it out she always kept the lamp burning all night as she had in timid little jenny's day flora herself 
was timid now so she blew the light out she had barely laid her head upon the pillow when the low moaning wail sounded through the room flora sat up in bed and listened her hands clenched the moan gathered strength and volume little broken words and sentences the piteous ejaculations of terror and distress began to shake themselves out of it flora sprang out of bed and stumbled towards her west window the one on the almshouse side she leaned her head out listening a moment then she called her mother with wild vehemence but her mother was already at the door with a lamp when she entered the moans ceased mother shrieked flora it ain't jenny it's somebody over there at the poorhouse put the lamp out in the entry and come back here and listen mrs dunn set out the lamp and came back closing the door it was a few minutes first but presently the cries recommenced i'm going right over there said mrs dunn i'm going to dress myself and go over there i'm going to have this affair sifted now i'm going too said flora it was only half past nine when the two stole into the almshouse yard the light was not out in the room on the ground floor which the overseer's family used for a sitting-room when they entered the overseer was there asleep in his chair his wife sewing at the table and an old woman in a pink cotton dress apparently doing nothing they all started and stared at the intruders good evening said mrs dunn trying to speak composedly we thought we'd come in we got kind of started oh there it is now what is it miss gregg in fact at that moment the wail louder and more distinct was heard why it's nancy replied mrs gregg with dignified surprise she was a large woman with a masterly placidity about her i heard her a few minutes ago she went on and i was going up there to see her if she hadn't stopped mr gregg a heavy saturnine old man with a broad bristling face sat staring stupidly the old woman in pink calico surveyed them all with an impersonal grin nancy repeated mrs dunn looking at mrs gregg she had not fancied this woman very much and the two had not fraternized although they were such near neighbors indeed mrs gregg was not of a sociable nature and associated very little with anything but her own duties yes nancy wren she said with gathering amazement she cries out this way most every night she's ten years old but she's as afraid of the dark as a baby she's a queer child i guess maybe she's nervous i don't know but she's got notions into her head staying over in the graveyard so much she runs away over there every chance she can get and she goes over a queer rigmarole about playing with jane and her being dressed in white and a wreath i found out she meant jane blake that's buried in the blake lot i knew there wa'n't any children round here and i thought i'd look into it you know it says our father and our mother on the old folks stones and there she was calling them father and mother you'd thought they was right there i've got most out of patience with the child i don't know nothing about such kind of folks the well continued i'll go right up there said mrs gregg determinately taking a lamp mrs dunn and flora followed when they entered the chamber to which she led them 
they saw little nancy sitting up in bed her face pale and convulsed her blue eyes streaming with tears her little pink mouth quivering nancy began mrs gregg in a weighty tone but mrs dunn sprang forward and threw her arms around the child you got frightened didn't you whispered she and nancy clung to her as if for life a great wave of joyful tenderness rolled up in the heart of the bereaved woman it was not after all the lonely and fearfully wandering little spirit of her dear jenny she was peaceful and blessed beyond all her girlish tumults and terrors but it was this little living girl she saw it all plainly now afterwards it seemed to her that any one but a woman with her nerves strained and her imagination unhealthily keen through watching and sorrow would have seen it before she held nancy tight and soothed her she felt almost as if she held her own jenny i guess i'll take her home with me if you don't care she said to mrs gregg why i don't know as i've got any objections if you want to answered mrs gregg with cold stateliness nancy wren has had everything done for her that i was able to do she added when mrs dunn had wrapped up the child and they were all on the stairs i ain't coaxed and cuddled her because it ain't my way i never did with my own children oh i know you've done all you could said mrs dunn with abstracted apology i just thought i'd like to take her home to-night don't you think i'm blaming you miss gregg she bent down and kissed the little tearful face on her shoulder she was carrying nancy like a baby flora had hold of one of her little dangling hands you shall go right upstairs and sleep with flora mrs dunn whispered in the child's ear when they were going across the yard and you shall have the lamp burning all night and i'll give you a piece of cake before you go it was the custom of the dunns to visit the cemetery and carry flowers to jenny's grave every sunday afternoon next sunday little nancy went with them she followed happily along and did not seem to think of the blake lot that's pitiful fancy if fancy it were which had peopled her empty childish world with ghostly kindred which had led into it an angel playmate in white robe and crown might lie at rest now there was no more need for it she had found her place in a nest of living hearts and she was getting her natural food of human love they had dressed nancy in one of the little white frocks which jenny had worn in her childhood and her hat was trimmed with some ribbon and rosebuds which had adorned one of the dead young girls a year before it was a beautiful sunday after they left the cemetery they strolled a little way down the road the road lay between deep green meadows and cottage yards it was not quite time for the roses and the lilacs were turning gray the buttercups in the meadows had blossomed out but the dandelions had lost their yellow crowns and their filmy skulls appeared they stood like ghosts among crowds of golden buttercups but none of the family thought of that their ghosts were laid in peace End of a gentle ghost by mary e wilkins